in the house, Mike Russo, Anthony Lapanta. Thanks uh, for everybody coming out here to Split Rocks on this uh, just beautiful Monday night. At least it's not a uh, ice storm like this morning. Uh, I looked at the siding of my house, Anthony. It looked like I, could... I skied down my driveway this morning, and then I just I walked out to get the paper, and I started sliding. I just stood still, slid all the way down the driveway to get the paper, and figured it was a perfect night to be going to Split Rocks. Yeah, tell me that uh, Phil and Stanley went down the driveway on the. I would like to see some video on that. Uh, they did not come with me. They were a little reluctant to head outside this morning. <laughs> Uh, so next live show, March 6th, uh, March 6th at Tuttle's, uh, in Hopkins. Hopefully everybody comes on out, uh, uh, been splitting between the, the split rocks and Tuttle's lately. We'll be here uh, twice in March as well here at split rocks, but March 6th is our next live show. And, uh, Anthony, man, um, you know, this is like the first time that we can't say what a difference a week makes because the wild keep on getting points They keep on winning. They have points in six straight. Uh, points in what eight of the last nine games um, continue to play really, really well defensively. Their penalty kill has been unbelievable. It's like three podcasts in a row now that they have given up a power play goal. And uh, offensively, uh, they're getting some goals. Usually the same subject, Just same yeah, same Just suspects. Um, but you know, th- to to get to the game against Columbus on Sunday, uh, and this is heading into uh, Tuesday night's game against Zach Parisi and the New York Islanders. Um, you know, thank goodness that Kirill Kaprizov got rewarded last night because that would have been the biggest travesty in history if he came out of that game without He a could have had six yeah. and wound up with three. And, it, you know, the, the Columbus club is interesting. They were four, two, and one, and seven coming into that game with wins against Winnipeg, Dallas, Toronto, and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Four teams that are almost sure bets to be in the playoffs. And they gave Minnesota a pretty good battle. I, I thought they played really well. and. It was good for the Wild to find a way to win. It, they they were the better team all night and deserved it, but how many times over the years did we talk about a game where Minnesota dominated the game and couldn't finish, and now they have one guy who can just plain finish, and he got it done. And only one guy. <laughs> right now, just yeah. finish. Although uh, Ryan Hartman's game has been yeah, great. Man, it's amazing great. how good that line has looked since he started playing. It, it This looked like the Ryan Hartman we watched all year last year, even though he still hasn't quite started to get the same numbers he did a year ago. Not that far off over the last two weeks or so, but it, that line just looks different. The way they're hanging on to pucks, the way they're making plays, it, it looks like that dominant line. And I still think the question is, is there a fit? Is there somebody, whether it be from within the organization or outside, that can play alongside Matt Boldy and create a secondary scoring line I think Marcus Foligno's game has looked more familiar here the last couple, but I don't think he's that guy. I think in an ideal world, you've got the grief line back together and there's some other piece that's there playing with Matt Boldy down the stretch. Yeah, let's talk about that. So March uh, 3rd is the trade deadline. That's Friday at 2 p.m. Central time. Um, You know, like like Bill Guerin has made it pretty clear here the last week that he wants to add and be, uh, be aggressive. The problem is is what can he do at this point, right? Um, you know, I've found out in the last couple of days that I think that they had interest in both Dadanoff and Gurionov, and they went, they were traded for each other. Um, and right now, you know, Timo's obviously gone. The Wild never had interest in him. Uh, Patrick Kane, somebody I think they've long had interest in, but he had interest in one team. Um, there's just not a lot out there um, at all. I mean, you know, one guy that makes sense is Jason Zucker. I can't imagine that the Wild would ever go back after him. You know, Connor Sheary's out there. He's a proven playoff player, but he's five foot eight, thirty years old. 
history with Garen makes sense, but I don't know if he's somebody that's going to come in and, and, uh, you know, provide anything but depth. I don't think he's somebody that, you know, is that prototypical guy to put with Boldy. And the other name out there is James Van Riemsdyk, right? James Van Riemsdyk right now. And man, that just, I don't know what you think of that, but, um, Let's put it this way. Two weeks ago, the Wild had very little interest in them. Now I'm starting to gain, get the impression that they have more interest in them, and that just shows me that they are trying to make a move, and they realize right now that he might be the best on the market. Yeah, I think a lot of the guys that were potentials have moved already. Even a guy like Barbashev would have been a, a guy that had a little bit of scoring punch. So and Cham. I, yeah, the, right, the right fit might not be out there, and that's why I'm sure Billy's been waiting. But it's been interesting. All the other teams in the West, I think, were in a similar spot where the West was so tight and there were teams that were still trying to figure out, are we for sure going to be in the playoffs? How much are we willing to give up? If we aren't even positive that a playoff spot, let alone a potential playoff run is there. But now you've started to see a lot of them make at least their first shot move. Dallas, Colorado, Vegas, they've all made additions. Winnipeg, they've all addressed some kind of a need. And, and I, I think I still have this feeling that Billy's going to do something, but it's tough. They're just the, the right fit just might not be out there at this deadline. Yeah. In terms of rentals, there's just not a lot. Like the guys that are fits are, are guys on playoff teams that, that probably aren't moving, you know, the Tatars and, you know, there's Druin and Monahan that does nothing. You know, I, I'm somebody that, that thinks Max Domi. I'm not a big Max Domi guy. I think people know that by listening to this podcast for two or three years. He's having a point of game season. And I think he'd be a good fit on a rental deal for a month and a half, two months, hopefully longer if this team goes in the playoffs. But just because Bill Guerin has shown over and over again that he doesn't have interest in him because the Wild have had the plenty of opportunities to acquire him, I just don't think that that's something that they're going to do. Um, you know, I mentioned Drew and Monahan. There's just not a lot out there. Um, the one name that I wouldn't be surprised if Bill tries to circle back on is Tyler Batuzzi. Um, but and and the. I haven't seen what the Red Wings and the Senators are doing tonight. They have three games before the uh, the trade deadline. But man, Bertuzzi, um, you know, he, he he I think he'd be perfect, but he is going to be super expensive. Super expensive. Uh, yeah, like right you're not getting him for less. Than a the perfect. Red Wings are right back in the playoff hunt. Yeah. So I can't imagine right now they're looking to unload people, even though prices is, are high. Well, the prices are high, and yeah. the reality is. If you look at those, let's just say whoever the eighth and maybe the seventh and eighth teams to get in in the mm-hmm. East, do you really have a shot? Is it really worth hanging on to guys right now when you start looking at what the path to a through the Eastern Conference might yeah. be? I think it's a tough decision for Steve Eisenman because they haven't had hosted a playoff game in that building yet. I think he feels probably that he wants to give this team an opportunity to show that. But to your point, you know, what are you proving other than? maybe giving them at least that experience to taste the playoffs, and then maybe that helps you in the future. But if you don't think that you're bringing back Tyler Batuzzi and you could get a boatload for him, um, it makes sense to move him. The problem is, um, from a Minnesota Wild standpoint, I cannot imagine, like maybe there's a player out there and Batuzzi's that guy that Bill would make an exception for and give up futures, but I just have trouble believing he's been so adamant that he doesn't want to give up a first-round pick and top prospects for a rental, and I just have a feeling that that you know that would include Bertuzzi, and I don't see with the prices going around right now how he doesn't get a boatload. If Tanner Janot gets a first, Five. a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth, yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi is going to bring quite right. a bit. Exactly. 
Did you see uh, what Julian Brisebois said today about that deal? And, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways, it made a lot of sense uh, from their standpoint, right? One, they've made these type of deals before at the deadline, getting, getting these type of gritty guys to fill in their third lines, and it's brought them Stanley Cups. But, um, you, you know, and, and they're in a different position than a lot of teams, right? They have a core that he feels the, 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 the window is still wide open. So none of those players are going to be available to them by the time that these guys maybe become too old to be in their core. But man, that is a huge price to pay. Like there had to be like Mike Greer was probably sick to his stomach when he saw uh, <laughs> when he saw that deal right after he made the deal for Timo Meyer. Well, yes, but the I, some of these deals, the complexity of yeah, that one, of them, and right the the. Conditions placed on the draft picks yeah. that are set. I, I mean, how do you negotiate these trades? Holy cow! That would, I'm not sure that you could walk away from the table and have any idea yeah. what you just agreed to. I have uh, Tom Fitzgerald, the Devils GM, on my uh, athletic hockey show podcast on Wednesday morning. I'm going to ask him exactly that. Like that second condition on that one first round pick. Like how the hell? Who came up with it? How do you even voice it? Like I can't even like like the Sharks. I'd be like, what? You know, Can like, you imagine sitting and saying, all right, I'll give you a number one. Okay, but here are the conditions. Yeah. And starting to lay that out and the negotiation back and forth, because I can't imagine it was the first, yeah. all right, here's all the conditions I want to put on it. Okay, deal. I, I can't imagine it's that simple. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. So you have um, a lot of teams, obviously, in the East making moves right now. Tarasenko and Kane are the Rangers. You have, um, you know, obviously all the, the guys that Toronto just added with Cherry and Ryan O'Reilly and McCabe, um, and they got Fla- uh, Lafferty today as well. Uh, the Devils add Timo Meyer. Um, Tampa Bay as Jano. Uh, uh, it's going to be interesting what the Carolina Hurricanes do, and, and that's, um, you know, one, one of the cool stories I'm going to be doing here in the next uh, week or so is I'm actually heading out to uh, Vegas and Arizona uh, starting tomorrow, and I'm going to be kind of around the the Carolina Hurricanes, and it's just going to be interesting to see how they pivot because I think they, you know, they'd be in on Bertuzzi. I think they definitely had a, um, you know, took a huge swing at at at, at Timo Meyer, and were really upset that they were not able to figure out a way to get that deal done. Um, that 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 San Jose chose the other deal, and it just feels like they're going to want to do something to keep up, but they're also a great great hockey team. And, you know, maybe they don't want to mess up with the chemistry right now. Well, that could be. And, and also, as we've talked so many times, sometimes the right fit just might not be there. And you start to look and you say, okay, well, this guy's a good player, but who does he supplant in our lineup and what's that worth? What's the difference worth? And I just, if you look at Carolina's club, we've just, we've just seen them recently. And what would you say they're lacking? Maybe a goal scorer? That's what Max Pacioretty was supposed to be? Yeah. And, but it's not like the guys they have aren't scoring. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because I, I look at their blue line and it's tremendous, but yet you're starting to hear talk that they might want a blue liner. They obviously have two great goalies. I mean, even when Freddie's hurt, they have, they have uh, Andy Ranta. Then they have Kognetsov. How do you pronounce it? Kognetsov. There you go. Um, so, uh, you know, so they got plenty of depth and goal. I just don't... Um, you know, know where they're going to get that if they're willing to pay the price. We've heard about Nick Schmaltz. I think that gets really pricey because, you know, he's got term left on his deal. They're, they're willing to add term, but they've got a bunch of guys that they're going to have to re-sign here in the next two or three years, including Nietzsche, who's just a fantastic hockey player on, and Aho and all those guys. So 
I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to just be interesting to be around the hurricanes. And, uh, you know, frankly, I'm, I'm going to probably be in Arizona when this Chikrin thing resolves itself on Friday as well. Um, and it's just, I mean, this trade-related reasons now, he's been scratched seven straight games, him and Gavrikov. Right. And how about the Gavrikov situation? They thought they had a couple deals done for him. And now there's some that we're starting to speculate that, well, there might just not be a deal out there for him. Yeah. Gonna be really interesting. I'm gonna be fascinated too in the Western Conference what the Oilers do because, I mean, you can't lose they to Columbus six five, man. No, they you can't win with the way that team's put together. And yeah, they never will. They never have. They never will. You've said it for years, and and it's just like you know, you have all that firepower. You know, to get to what, back to the Wild. I mean, that was one of the sort of the things that I was talking to Bill Guerin about both during the press conference and after yesterday. Is is you know what the wild have to be wary of here um, in the future when you know we all talk about all right maybe should they go get a Brock Besser or an Adam Henrique or somebody with term is is that this summer they are going to have to figure out a way to replace Matt Dumba in some capacity and the strength of this team right now is the way that they defend and you know Besser's on a team with a ton of firepower right now and that they're an awful hockey team because they can't defend. Their, their blue line's terrible. And so that's the one thing that I think Bill Guerin's going to have to really look at this summer is trying to figure out a way. I think Wild fans need to understand that, that that's one reason why they don't want to add anybody with term is that they want to make sure that their blue line is okay and that they can respond to life without dumping. Yeah, although I do think that, and I was there, I heard the question you were asking about the replacement for Dumba coming from within. And I agree with everything Billy said for right now. Yeah when there's nobody within your organization that's going to slide in and take Matt Dumba's spot. Matt Dumba's a 10-year NHL vet. He's been in the top four throughout most of his career. Nobody's going to jump in from Iowa or from the University of Minnesota or anywhere else and be ready to take that spot right now at this point in the season. But that's not to say one of them wouldn't be ready to jump into an NHL lineup on an every-night basis opening night next year. Mm -hmm. And you take a few lumps in October as you as they get their feet wet and get up to NHL speed, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any hurry to try to make that adjustment right now. I, you can't go into a playoff series unless you're talking about Kale McCarr and throw a guy right out of college hockey into, have this be your second game in the NHL, be a game one of a playoff series. And that's not what we're dealing with here with any of the wild prospects. But, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say we're going to hand a little bit of uh, an opportunity, not hand, but allow them a chance to earn an opportunity to one of these young guys starting opening night next year. And that might be the way you have to replace Matt Dumba. Keep in mind that you'll still have Alex Goligoski as your seventh defenseman next year, assuming that nothing changes there, where if you need nights here or there to, to teach some lessons, Goligoski is a good guy to fit in. Yeah, I, I, my gut still says Goligoski's not on the opening night roster. I, I might just not think, be. Yeah. Um, but if I, he's not, then yeah. there's, your, there's your window to add another defenseman right. as well. But they don't have a ton of money. I mean, that's what, that's what it's just really fascinating. And, and that was the one thing that Bill wasn't able to say out loud yesterday, which to me was the biggest read-between-the-lines moment, is that I think he concurs that um, one reason why he doesn't want to trade Dumba now is that he needs a suitable replacement, and Right now, that replacement isn't in the lineup, and what he can't say is that Brock Faber is, in his mind, going to be that replacement next year, and they're going to put him with Jonas Bredin and just pray to goodness that Jonas could cover up and 
protect them and, and all that stuff. But, but this is still a big guessing game. They are, they are just assuming that Brock Faber is going to be ready for the NHL. And if, the, if Brock Faber comes in and he's Marco Rossi and shows that he's not ready as the Wild expected, they're going to be really up, you know what, Creek. Yeah, but that's where I'm saying that if you either have your seventh guy or you've moved him for a different seventh guy, maybe that's how you bridge mm-hmm. that gap. We have a microphone up here, right, right here, hanging on this, uh, this uh, coat hanger. Uh, but here's a microphone. Feel free to come on up and ask questions. Uh, that, that, to me, is what makes uh, the show good, is, uh, is your participation to ask whatever's on your mind about the team and things like that. Um, let's go back to talking about the Wild, Anthony, and, and just, again, the goaltending that they've gotten uh, recently. Marc-Andre Fleury gets the win last night. I thought two goals that really there was not much that he could do. One was a turnover by Goligosky, bang-bang play. Um, and the other one was just, uh, uh, you know, throw the puck on net and it was a great redirection by uh, Fowdy. Um, and then he gets the shutout in Columbus where, according to Dean, that he volunteered to us, they had 38 turnovers in his eyes uh, there. But, but now yeah. suddenly they're getting the luxury of riches here on the goal. Time. Well, they are. I didn't think they gave up that many chances, though, off those 38 turnovers. Yeah, they defended they're, they're, a they lot, defended but really they well. defended well. Yep. And. Yeah. I think goaltending's been good. I just think the defense has been so good. You know, you've gone now 11 games in a row without a power play goal allowed. You're giving up next to nothing every night. And they made it through the murderous part of the schedule. Now they're starting with that first game in Columbus. It was 8 out of 11 against non-playoff teams. And, and I know that it's a, oh, yeah, the, well, the Wild play down to their competition and they, uh, they lose too many games to these teams. Well, they're like the sixth best team in the league against non-playoff teams Yeah, that's right a now. big fallacy. It is. And and I just mentioned the teams that Columbus has just beaten in the last two weeks. And Minnesota beat them twice and did exactly what they're supposed to do against them. So this is an important stretch to create a little bit of a cushion because there's there are tough stretches ahead for the Wild, but they're in the midst of 8 of 11 against non-playoff teams, and they're 2-0-1 so far in those games. And you got to take advantage of some of this right here. And there's some challenging trips coming up. It's never easy going into Vancouver. And I still keep thinking the way Calgary's playing, they're capable of running off four, five, six in a row. That they dominate every night and just give up two egregious <laughs> chances or something that wind up in the back of their net. And and I can't I can't figure out how that team still hasn't found traction. But I still think they're going to end up in the playoffs somehow, some way. And part of it's just because the other teams haven't run away and grabbed these spots. But those are difficult road games and it'll be a tough road game on the back end of back-to-backs in winnipeg it's it's they got some challenging games here ahead um but they do have a lot of off days in march so that's the one good thing is they're not going to be as condensed they should get some practices and 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 things like that compared to remember when when mark andre Fleury was traded to the wild last year they had two practices only one with them and that was a playoff uh uh they had one practice on the road with them in in nashville i think and yep. then one at home before the playoffs. So then he had, they, the only other practice they had from the trade deadline on was the one where he went back to Chicago to get his stuff. So yeah, they actually practiced in St. Louis last year. It was that's after, what it was. St. Louis. We had three days off yeah. in Nashville and then flew to St. Louis yeah. to practice. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was I think it was more of a sweat out some toxins than practice. Yeah, especially but, for you. Uh, I had I had a couple workouts that had to might have had a high proof level. <laughs> This week's State High School Hockey Tournament trivia question, the winner gets a $25 gift card to Moe's. Go to talknorth.com slash contest and submit your answer. We'll pick one winner 
out of the correct entries. This year, this week, we'll keep it simple. We'll just say, can you give me what who scored the winning goal in the longest Class AA state championship game in the history of the state tournament? Who had the game-winning goal in the longest final? Go to talknorth.com slash contests. Moe's a great spot. Moe's, at, at, it's inside Fogarty Arena up in Blaine. Terrific menu, and I know that they've expanded their pizza menu recently. It's a great place to watch a game. Go check it out. Terrific menu. They've got great sandwiches, great burgers, and check out their flatbread pizzas. They're outstanding. You won't be disappointed. Don't let the warm weather lately fool you. We still have a long winter ahead of us here in Minnesota, and if you're like me and like your home to stay warm and comfy all winter long, get a company you could trust. Aquarius Home Services has a team and knowledge to keep your home warm and cozy through the cold winter months. If you're having concerns with your furnace and are thinking about a replacement, my friends over at Aquarius offer free in-home estimates, and for a limited time, they are offering a new furnace for as low as $55 per month. That's right, $55 a month. Their 100% performance guarantee is backed by the best material, product, and labor warranties in the business. I use them. You should, too. Contact Aquarius today for your free in-home estimate. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Royal Credit Union smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Make the switch to a Royal checking account and you'll also get real-time transaction alerts, free mobile check deposits, and surcharge-free access to over 40,000 ATMs across the U.S. Enjoy financial freedom with no minimum balance and no monthly fees when you switch to Royal's smart checking account. Learn more and open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking. Insured by NCUA. Um, so, uh, uh, let's actually get back to Hartman though. Like it is amazing how he's turned his game around and has turned that line around. Yeah. Well, the line is to me, what's key. And I think when they first threw him back up there between those guys, it was almost immediate. You could just sense that there was a little, there was a little uptick in the body language and the the mood, the personality around the room. And I, I think it was where he wanted to be. I think those guys wanted him to be back there, but he hadn't played well enough to warrant it. And he finally goes back there, and and now you can just see the confidence, and it's now a three-person line again, like it was last year. And he's involved in those plays. It, I think they've just been dominant these last couple of games. It's, they've they've kind of gotten back to what they looked like a season ago. It's, it's not always, you're not always going to be able to count on them for all three of your goals in a game, but I did really like the way they played. And I think Hartman has, how many times do you look at it and you say, you just need a goofy one. You need one. He had two go off his sternum. Then all of a sudden the next game, he, he wires one into the upper corner. Brandon Duhame has one go in off his hip. Next game, he is making a play around the net and he's been involved in scoring chances each game since. So maybe there's a couple other guys like that that Jordan Greenway needs to go in, have one going off his visor or something, and and finally get off the schneid. Probably it won't happen though. It might not, but he he's had some chances these last couple of games. Yeah, man, and it's he just had, that guy. He just I, can't score. It's unbelievable. Twenty-one straight games right. without a point. And he had he had one the other night where he made the feed, and then I don't remember who it was, and they hit the post. It was like, well. The guy should have known when he was shooting it, it wasn't going to go in because the pass came from Greenway. And yeah. That would have meant by default he would have gotten an assist. It's it's crazy. I thought he should have had an assist on the road when we were. Do him. 
on the Columbus one. Yeah, the yeah. Columbus one, where it, it looked like he tipped the puck on the way, and they didn't. Yeah, give I it think to they said. I think they felt like uh, so that he, it looked to me like he was drop passing the puck to Goudreau, but I think that they felt on replay that the Columbus guy poke checked it to, do, to Goudreau. I mean. That's just the way it's going for Greenway now, and he's right. actually playing really, really good hockey. Whether the other guy yeah. made contact with yeah. it or not, Greenway yeah. makes the same yeah. play, and it, he's yeah. just not getting credit for it right now. Um, uh, Billy has made it pretty clear that Dumb is going to be here after the trade deadline, and and um, you know, I got to tell you, like, um, I know that we've talked about this, and I think you and I, you know, that I've, I've long been sort of a critic, but but I think you and I have actually sort of had almost disagreed. Like, I think he's playing a lot better than maybe you have felt the last couple weeks. Um, I think his game's and, been and good. And last night, I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was really good. And he's been good. And I think in these kind of spots where now he's not playing with Jonas Brodeen, who's on the injured list, and I know they went to him and challenged him and said, hey, we've got to, you've got to be the guy now. You've got to be the guy that covers for your partner like you've been covered for all year. And, <laughs> and I, think he's, I think he's handled it really well. Yeah. I thought last night he just competed his butt off. I mean, there's like I always say, there's always going to be those moments in him. But, but uh, man, it's it's again, it's it's I don't know what it is about him that makes him such a lightning rod. But you would have thought he was awful last night. I mean, you know, like Merrill turns the puck over on the one goal, and everybody on on Twitter is blaming Dumba. It's just like I don't know what you can expect. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you just gotta, um, you know, have your have your eyes wide open. Despite maybe what your what your opinion is of a player, and and lately I think he's been playing really well. And if he plays this well the rest of the year, he's absolutely worth keeping because I think at this point we know that they're not getting a lot for him, even if they were able to move him. Yeah, he, I, he there's no way he gets moved. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I agree, especially with with Brody and out right now. Uh, who has a question? Somebody has a question. There we go. I figured Russo's filter would be the first one, but a little shy today. Yeah, he's he's here. I won't. We're gonna have a little contest that, uh, later in the show for everybody to try to figure out who Russo's filter is. But he is here. He's he's actually uh, from New York, but he is in town. Yep. Is this good? Yeah. Perfect. So listen to all your podcasts. Guys. Thanks. Love you both. Love your work. And when I it's my first time live being here, so I wanted to bring somebody who's got a connection to both of you. So all right, buddy over here. You interviewed him in the sec when he went to state, won the section finals at Blaine. Good. And then uh, he kind of ruined one of your podcasts when you were interviewing Louie on his deck, and he yelled, ah, Louie. Yeah, I so, remember that. So that's uh, my buddy Brad. And their, that's their, funny. Their, their boys played Andover at State the last three years. His younger boy got the game-winning assist on the game-winning goal. Game-winning assist, I guess. It's yeah, yeah. Hard, so. what, what's your name? What's your name? The Zindas. Okay. Yep, yeah, it's Hudson Zinda, and that's Brad. Yeah. Nice. I remember that. So I'm doing this podcast on Blue Nanny's uh, uh, deck in uh, what lake is that? Balsam Lake. Balsam Lake in uh, Wisconsin. I think it was. Uh, it wasn't this podcast. I think it was my Straight from the Source podcast. And uh, we're out there, and Francine has wine out there for us with like a giant charcuterie board, and you know, I'm just, I'm just, we're just having a blast, and we're talking about how like I, I it was like right on cue. I asked them like, do people know that you live here? And all of a sudden. He goes by about 200 yards off into the distance, and I just hear, Louie! <laughs> that was hilarious, right in the middle of the podcast. So. You didn't ruin the podcast. It made for some comic relief. I appreciate it. Nice. Yeah. So I guess just a comment. The only problem I have with Kirill now mm-hmm. is that on every shift, I'm just watching him. Yeah. Like, away from the puck, how yeah. he just feels that little bit of empty space where he's got to go. 
even when he's out there for like a minute and a half, two minutes, it's yeah. just, I don't know how many goals he's got lately on super long shifts. Yeah, that, I will say that is one thing I think sometimes drives uh, the coaches a little nuts, is the overextending of the shift, especially by his uh, right wing. Um, who, who, the other, I don't know if the game sheet was right. Did he play a three-minute and 23-second shift yesterday? Well, there was a... There were a couple shifts that were long, but that's because they went into a TV. Okay, they came out, out with them. Came back with them. Yeah, but those guys did play a ton. Yeah, it was. They were on the ice. It seemed like every other shift. I know Hartman yeah. was over twenty minutes, and I think last night. Not often you see a forward that has more ice time than any defenseman on the team. No, like and yesterday they, as much as Kaprizov wanted to play, they were going to let him play. Yeah. It, if he would have said he just wanted to stay out there and change the other two guys, I think they would have let him, the way he was dominating that game. It's been 600-something minutes since the Wild scored a goal without Kaprizov and Duham on the ice. Well, you keep throwing different guys in there. The first, a couple weeks, about four games ago, it was that without Kaprizov or Eriksson Ek on the ice, it was, and now no, you're no. done with Kaprizov or Duham. No, it was never Eriksson Ek. It was always Kaprizov, and now it's just Kaprizov and Duham. Mm. If you think about it. Because it's either Kaprizov or Hartman that scored since, since the... Uh, since that um, uh, Arizona game, other than the power play that Kaprizov has always been on the ice for, and then you had two goals by Duham. But no other forward has scored. Reeves, Durer, Shaw, Greenway, Felino, even Eriksson Ek, uh, uh, Goudreau, uh, Boldy, these haven't scored in like a month. It's just, it's crazy. So I just want to get your comments <clears throat> on the comments that the Tampa Bay GM made today mm-hmm. about I mean, yeah, it certainly makes sense. I mean, um, um, basically what he was saying is that, look, um, you know, the, the percent chance that a lot of these draft picks are even going to make it is very slim, especially in the window that he feels is wide open for that team to continue to win cups and that he just feels like it's absolutely worth it. And he's not wrong. I mean, look, uh, I, I mean, I think the, the old adage is that after the 25th pick or 26th pick in the draft, it's like a 5% chance that you're even going to, that's probably high, actually. Five percent chance that you're either going to play a you know fifty or hundred games in the NHL. I forget what it is um, in the second round, uh, and uh, uh, there's only like a I think it's something like a fifteen percent chance that you're going to play uh, in the league. I mean, so you know that's one reason why I think that sometimes we we overvalue these picks, and and we're seeing it with the Wild. I mean, look how long it takes guys to get here. I mean, you look at these three guys that are in Europe. I mean, we're not going to see them. In Iowa until 2023, four maybe, you know, Ogren, who's not enough, um, and, and you're off. You have all these guys that they've drafted in college that have been there three, four years. Um, you know, look at O'Rourke and, and Hunt. They were drafted, what, three years ago, and, and O'Rourke's having a really tough year down in, uh, in Iowa. Hunt's having a good year, but, but it, it takes a while. I mean, Wall Street, we're not going to see for a couple of years. So to Breezebois' point, I think that, you know, when he looks at them, who is in a different different path in the wild. They're in a win now, win a Stanley Cup mode, knowing that he's got to go with Toronto and things like that. I think that's their their path. The wild are in a different one where their window is, you know, in Bill McGarren's mind a lot in a lot of ways, is it starts in two years. Two years when those big parts of the Barisian suitor deals expire, you know, the they still have cap hits until twenty twenty nine, believe it or not. But after two years, I think you're going to see the Wild really go for it. They're going to have a lot of money to spend, both on their own guys, maybe going out and externally trying to, to steal guys. Um, and that, I think, is what he's planning for. In the next two years, he's just hoping to get by and make this as competitive team as possible. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, question? Come on, Rusev's filter. Come on up. No? No, I did. I thought his comments were interesting too, though, in that he was just kind of saying, like, look, we've studied this. And in, yeah, the other thing you have to look at with their organization is they just don't have as many. Their core, their lineup is all locked up for a few years. So I'm sure they're looking at it too, saying, whoever we draft now, where are they going to fit? Yeah, I agree. Dick from New York, what's up? How's it going, gentlemen? How are you? Uh, I'm it's not well. good that you sat down. This could be a long one. You could have like 10 questions. No, I'm just, I'm just specifically lazy today. Uh, so with all due respect to Flowers' opinion, uh, it, it, the, I think the player that uh, Kirill reminds me a lot of, especially with the reverse hit yesterday, yesterday is Forsberg, Peter Forsberg. Mm-hmm. You know, the way he's not just flash and dash, there's a lot of grit to his game, a lot of three-zone play. Um, I mean, obviously, it'd be awesome if he was the second coming of Crosby, but I, I like <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, you know, that wasn't the context that Flower was saying. He was more talking stature and work ethic and things like that. I mean, what was it? Uh, you know, uh, Marcus Foligno had the great line earlier this season to Joe Smith. He said that he has got the, you know, he played, he's got the, uh, the skill of a first liner and the work ethic of a fourth liner. And that is, that is really what he is. I mean, Forsberg was more playmaker, but I, I'd see yeah. the comparison. Yeah, he's got the highest compete level of any player I've ever seen with the Wild. It's unbelievable. And we covered Parisi here, who's he's you know. got a, he has a, yeah, and and think of some of the defensemen we've had that we've had guys with high compete levels, nothing like him. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. I was talking with Jody Shelley, the Blue Jackets color guy, and he said, you know, I don't get to watch Kaprizov much. What would you, what do you expect? I said, well, number one, there'll be three passes tonight between he and Zuccarello. That will leave you saying, how in the world did they know the other one was there? Mm-hmm. Then there will be two that you'll say, what in the world was he thinking trying to make that pass? <laughs> and then there will be 15 pucks along the wall that Kaprizov, the highest skilled, highest scoring player on the roster, is the guy that's going to go in and win the battle and emerge with the puck and create space in a blink of an eye with his skating ability. In any zone. Right. Um, there, there was one play last night in overtime. It was, I think it was on the shift. Pretty sure it was on the shift they scored the winner where they went back to reset in the neutral zone. And when that puck came out, Kaprizov was like, are you kidding me? Like all of a sudden, and, I, and when he came out of the zone, you saw this almost like sag on him. Like, like, I have skated like 25 miles tonight and you had to reset one more time. But hey, it worked. So, so what I wanted to get your comments on uh, is I feel like Eric Sinek has got to be right now the ultimate poster boy in this team for giving, especially even or even high draft picks, a chance to develop. I mean, yeah. and you know, and and obviously we know we've talked, you've you've talked about all the things that he does well, but you know, for a while anyway, coming into this season, you face off was an issue. Well, on that power play that they ended up tying the game on yesterday, he won consecutive draws on both hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, early in that power play. I mean, so if he can get that piece going, you know, he's as valuable a player, I think, certainly from the grief line right now from last season. 100%. But, you know, you, you just got to give these guys time, whether it's Rossi or whomever. Uh, there's, yeah, I can, there can't di- be a better He's example. a different player than Rossi, there's no doubt. But it was, and the faceoff piece is interesting because he has all the physical skills and the work ethic that would lead you to believe he'd be a dominant faceoff guy. He's gotten better every single season in his career, but he's still only 48.5% this year. Yeah. And if he, wants to, if he wants to win a Selkie, he's got to be a 52% face-off guy. And maybe he will be before he's done. He's added some skill, though, that I don't think... I think that's been a little bit of the surprise, is that he actually... He's got some hands. And yeah, earlier in his career, I mean, he just could not no. bury these. 
talk from from you know five feet out. Now he's doing it all the time. I didn't. Yeah, he's one of the elite him. net front power play guys in the league right now. Yeah, there aren't very many that are yeah. better. That's why it's like that's the other reason why I just you know if if they're gonna add Van Riemsdyk, like I just hope that they don't do something stupid <laughs> and take him off the power play. I mean, I can't imagine they would, but you know he. Like Van Riemsdyk, he has had a miserable season. He's not the greatest skater. He's very perimeter at even strength. On the power play, he goes net front, which isn't a bad thing, but he's going to play 20 seconds of power play shift if he's on the number two unit. I just don't know if I would... If, if you can get him for a fourth-round pick, I'd do it. I wouldn't give up much more than that um, just because you're desperate for scoring. There's got to be a better option. Yeah, I think. I, you know, it's we've talked about this before. I, I'm not a big speculation guy, and I don't like... Because we have no idea what people are asking for for any of these guys. And I haven't spent more than 40 seconds scrolling through to even see what other UFAs might be out there on teams that are in a spot where they'd be willing to sell. But I just kind of skimmed over Chicago and Columbus and a couple of these teams the last couple of days. And one name that popped into my head was Andreas Athanasiu I was just, in Chicago. That was right in my mind. And yeah. he's a guy that I've always thought looked like he was capable of more, maybe never been in quite the right spot. He did score 31 time in his career. And I don't know, maybe he's a guy that brings a little, could bring a little speed Super and energy fast. to a, a Boldy line. I, but again, yeah. I have no idea if, they're, if he's on the market, if they're willing to trade him. Yeah. It was just... I agree with you. That to me is like the type of move that makes sense. Um, he's actually, if you remember the, uh, the, uh, when the Kings came to town and then the wild got COVID right after he was the one that was quarantined here for a while in the hotel. He was the one that like, I wouldn't they, hold it against him. Yeah. He was the one that, that Mayo essentially like, you know, did all the tests and said, Oh, he was kind of the guy. Um, so him being here would help, I think, because like that, like he's got offensive ability. I can't imagine he'd cost a ton. Um, he's fast. Like that to me is my biggest concern with with Van Riemsdyk. Now, granted, he's got a lower body issue, and maybe that was affecting him. But I've watched a lot of the Flyers lately, and I've seen the worst of the Flyers lately. I've seen uh, both so the blowouts in Seattle, him. and I've seen him, and he is not playing well, man. Yeah, I mean, he's got four points in his last twenty games. Um, you know, it's it's. I, I would stay away from James uh, right now. Watch, he's here next week. I'm going to have to change my tune. Hey, James, how are you? Big fan. And then when he scores, you'll say, I always knew this guy was a, could bring offense. Yeah, like John, like Freddie Goudreau. We all know that I was a huge, huge uh, fan when he first got here. Any other questions? Come on up. No? Let me you could just him. scroll through your Twitter feed. I know you've been really happy with some of the Wild fans lately with Suggesting maybe that they take a break or that you need a cigarette or oh my god that 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 day in Columbus when I tweeted that Flurry was starting and that Felino was on the second line, it was just unbelievable. The like at one point at like two p.m. I hadn't looked at Twitter in like three hours and I saw all the reaction. It was like first of all this team's getting points every single night. And it was just, it was amazing. Like, they hadn't even lost a game, and they're going in, and you have people out there, like, like just, just lambasting the coaching staff over the lines, and the goalie decision, and it was just, it was, like, it's back-to-back -back games. Gus was going to start one of the two. Like, you know, right. 
You know, and we like, talked that morning. I said, for me, it's a no-brainer. Like, You'd start Flurry the first night and Gus the yeah, second. Like it but. just, uh, it was just strange. So uh, uh, I just, um, there's some, there is something about the fact that, uh, and maybe it's like this in every market, but I don't know. It's like, it's like people think if they coached, uh, you know, peewees here that they can coach in the National Hockey League and they know how to put the line lineup together. Okay, thanks for bringing me down that rabbit hole. I know you're the only one who's allowed to make those second guesses. Exactly. Things. Not that yeah. you're followers. Yeah. The hell. Anytime that you are entertaining or cooking dinner at home, you got to start with the best ingredients. And the only place to go for that is Kowalski's. But we had a, a dinner party recently, and I walked in there. I was going to pick up some halibut, which the halibut didn't disappoint. It was terrific. But I just walked by the meat counter, and every time I do it, you end up with something. And I walked by and the steaks looked so good. We've talked about them before. They have these, the 40-day USDA prime cuts that are terrific, but I still always go back to the Akaushi is my favorite. We grabbed these Akaushi New York strip steaks, little red wine reduction sauce over the top, and they were right up there with some of the better steaks I've had. So if you are having a great dinner, having great guests, you got to make sure you start with the best ingredients, and for that, I go to Kowalski's. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. And if you want to get your dream home, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's the easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed offer cash would be, there's no obligation. Just go to chrislindahl.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Again, that's chrislindahl.com or uh, call 763-401-SOLD. You can close with confidence and start packing, and terms and conditions apply. So I'm all in on JVR. Uh, I haven't watched him in 10 years, but I assume same player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 35 uh, goals. We'll have to find a number for him. I think his yeah. numbers are taken here. Yeah, but, his numbers are definitely taken. Um, I was just wondering about the cap space. So this year is an interesting opportunity with the next two years coming, and Billy's been using it to get these draft picks, being a third party in these trades. Do you think they might be... I, I think New York still needs somebody for the Kane deal. Do you no. Think, no, they don't? Yeah, they, well, no, they, they might, but um, actually, you know what's is, really... I think they do need a third team yeah. in that deal, well, and they just haven't revealed who it is yet. I don't know if they do. I think that that's why they're doing all this juggling. They sent Schneider to the minors. They got rid of you know Carpenter... Um, one thing that screwed uh, something up today, I didn't read all up on it, is that if uh, Keandre Miller is is um, is suspended, that limits uh, their ability to 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 you know potentially get get Kane by a certain time. I, I you know I didn't pay attention to that, um, uh, but um, the Wild, uh, Bill Guerin has made it uh, extremely clear the last couple of days that they're out of that uh, retention business right now. That he wants to save it just to give himself the flexibility if they need it. You know maybe. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, they have to like Jordan Greenway is in his last year with the Wild. I'm pretty certain 
And this summer, he's coming off on a horrendous year. He's got two years left at three. Um, you know, this summer, they might have to give him away. They might have to do a Max Pacioretty deal. They might have to retain money. I mean, I think he just wants to keep that option if he has to shed that, um, shed anybody, quite frankly. Um, and if you do that a third time now, you don't have that ability until after July 1. So it's just, they're out of it. The other thing is, remember, you know, Dmitry Orlov, Orlov scored 80, uh, cost 80, them $86,000. And uh, Ryan O'Reilly cost them seventy four grand. Patrick O'Reilly, uh, Patrick Kane still is going to be owed in the hundreds of thousands for a retention of maybe 25%, maybe even upwards of a mil. And I haven't done the math, but I would think it has to be, right? He makes $10.5 million. They're not spending that. Uh, unless you're, you know, the Rangers want to give him a first round pick maybe, but they're not, they're not doing that. Do you think it at all, we're going to look back and say, maybe it was a misstep to get this much cap space and not use it this year? Well, I mean, not really, because like, to me, it's, it's, first of all, it's 2.3 million. It just prorates out that they're able to do this much now. Um, you know, if they were going to use it, it would have been, they're, they're going to, they were going to do it to go get a huge player that would cost a ton. And I think Bill Guerin has assessed the situation and says he doesn't feel comfortable giving up that, the, those things. But right now, that cap space is there. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be used for the most part. But I wouldn't, there's nobody out there right now right. that I would spend a fortune on. So, I mean. Do you think, and so like this last one too. So, GVR is technically a $7 million player. Right. So right. that is, yeah. that's what it's pro, like this is a full value type thing. So they right now at the deadline could, Spend has have enough money, eleven and a half million dollars worth of players. They send Dakota down a little more, um, so you know seven of that million, if it was JVR, would go essentially to him. So and so, like this is maybe premature, but like what in the world is Vancouver going to do? Like they're they're almost sitting at like eighty million with yeah. sixteen players next year or something like that. It seems mm-hmm. like, if, and I I hate to bring this up because we're all going to say Besser's not going to happen, but like if Besser was going to happen, it. It needs to be like now, but you would also need to find. I mean, Vancouver can't take any cap money back. Basically. Yeah, they're not going to give the wild, give them Besser and, and retain half, and the Wild need them to take half, and then another team to take twenty five percent easily, and that might even still be an issue. And they got to get rid of Greenway in the deal. Um, so I agree with you. There, are, there, are, there is some talk, by the way, to, to Anthony's point that if the Rangers do need a third party, that maybe that's the Canucks. Um, but. I haven't, again, I've, I've been so busy the last couple of days that I haven't really paid attention to everything that's going on in the math of, to make the Patrick Kane deal uh, work. There's been talk about JT Miller being on the block after they just signed him. I think that says everything about him um, right now that they're even considering that because they want to build around Elias Pettersson, and I still think that that's going to be tough um, after that deal that they made with, with JT. So um, it's just going to be fascinating how the Canucks uh, figure that whole situation um, out. Any other questions? Anthony, what do you see coming up uh, on, on this week? So you got the Islanders on Tuesday. You got Calgary and Vancouver. Then come back for a little uh, mini homestand. Yeah, well, very mini. Well, they go to Winnipeg. Yeah. It'll one be exciting. Yeah, one game, then Winnipeg. Go to, we and go then, to Vancouver, Calgary, then back home to play Calgary. Yeah. And then go to Winnipeg, Winnipeg which will be exciting. Best Winnipeg, way to go to San Winnipeg Jose. is back-to-back. Yep. San Jose, um, Phoenix, yeah, I think uh, I'm excited about the Western Canadian trip. Are you on that trip, by the way? Nope, Joe. Um, the uh, I'm excited about an off night in Vancouver and a Friday night off in Calgary. That should be fun. Yeah. You gonna, what are you going to be doing on those trips? A uh, couple steak dinners. It could be. Nice. Tim, what's going on? 
Good evening to you. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. I'm kind of curious, away from the hockey side of it, more about the writing side of it. Yeah, I hear you say something about you know, what I'm hearing around the league. When you say what I'm hearing, what is, what's that process? Are you, are you, do you set aside an hour in the morning and cold call GMs no, to say No, I mean, a lot of on? it is, uh, like I talked to, I mean, uh, three agents today. I talked to two GMs today. Um, and, but it's not like set things. Like there are some, some writers and, and broadcasters like Elliot Friedman, um, he gets constant, but he sets aside, like usually I think it's Saturday for him where he is calling just constantly everybody. Um, you know, for me, it's not like that because I'm not a national insider and things like that. But I, but I talked to a couple GMs today. I talked to three agents today, talked to an NHL player today, talked to a assistant coach today, all on other teams. Um, you know, texted with some people in the wild, you know, things like that. So, so that's it. And then it's, uh, you know, when I say I'm hearing too, sometimes the context is just, you know, is what I'm seeing out there that's being written or we're talking to writers on our athletic. We have, you know, at the athletic, we have what, 35, 40 hockey writers and we have a Slack channel that, um, that, and, and we also have a live trade blog thing. So every single thing that people are hearing in their own beats, they're putting in this channel and it's popping up on my computer all day. So. So a lot of it is just uh, that type of stuff. Okay. Yeah. I'm also a little intrigued by, by uh, uh, Bill Guerin saying that, you know, we, we can't get rid of Dumba because we need a defenseman to replace him. And given the fact that we're paying Ryan Suter $11 million or whatever it is mm -hmm. this year, is there maybe some second guessing on their end that we wouldn't be short a defenseman if we kept him? I don't think or, so. I mean, they, remember, they're all, they're not, first of all, they're not playing him right. They're not, they're, what was it? Uh, they had ten million left on their deal, so they're ten divided by what eight. So yeah. they're getting paid like a million two or whatever. But um, but um, against no, the there's cap, no second against guess. the cap. It was about six million for Suter this yeah. year. But. Yeah, right. But but the point is, we need a defenseman, and we've got a defenseman on the books. Mm -hmm. And was it more important just to move him from a locker room culture standpoint, or or? Yeah, I mean, I think they worried about his aging. There's, there's no doubt. I think they worried about his, uh, you know, willingness or ability to handle being downgraded to being taken off the power play and being a third pair defenseman. Um, which, you know, I think he's probably started to accept that now in Dallas. He's essentially yeah. become that. He's um, on their second power yeah. play, but yeah, and I, the yes, the addition by subtraction was critical for this team, to, and it also opened minutes for other guys. And they only need a defenseman if they trade Matt Dumba. Otherwise, they have Matt Dumba. Yeah. So that's and that's the old, that's what Billy was talking about is that if I trade Dumba, it we're not going to throw a minor league guy into our second defensive pairing heading into the playoffs or a college free agent or whatever. It's it we are going to we'd have to get a defenseman in that trade, and that's unlikely. Yeah. By the way, the one big reason why I keep on talking about JVR is, uh, you know, just again, reporter instinct. A couple, uh, I found out uh, yesterday or the day before that last week, um, Bill Guerin had some conversations with Kurt Overhart um, about Philip Gustafson's new contract. And, and uh, coincidentally, Gus, uh, Kurt Overhart is James Van Riemsdyk's agent. So then just kind of doing that math, I'm not naive enough to think that JVR's name didn't come up on that. And that call and who knows again what Bill what Bill thinks, but it's just kind of one of those things that just pops in my head. And then, you know, the other thing is, and I've I've kind of indicated this to Anthony for a couple of weeks now, is that I've gotten uh, the I've gotten 
like about two, three weeks ago, we started to hear rumblings that the Wild were talking to Philadelphia about JVR. And when I started doing some digging inside the organization, I found that that was not really the most accurate thing in the world and that they, their, their interest is extremely tepid. Um, now I'm starting to get the impression that they have more interest again. And I think that's one reason is because the, the, the names have started have thin. Already, yeah, yeah, other guys have already so, been moved. So if you're going to add some scoring, and they've got to add scoring. I mean, this, this is not sustainable. They're not going to win a cup by scoring two goals a game and, and, and they, break a good. They got three yesterday. Yeah, they, you know, and they're not going to win a cup by just Caprice up being the only goal scorer. So, I mean, they showed that, frankly, in the same, first round against St. Louis last year. Who was the only guy to show up? Yeah, but last year they were also giving up four and a half a night. True. Uh, question? Yeah, I was just going to ask about some goalie goalie thoughts on your part so Gustafson I believe is a restricted free agent um Fleury will be you know another year older but do you think the Wilds re-sign Gustafson you know how's that looking he's obviously played well lately and then would Fleury you know how do they approach that in the offseason do they talk to very well respected veterans and about a potential more of a 50-50 role or number two. And then what do you, Wallstead's probably another couple years. I don't away think still. they'll talk to him about yeah. that. I think it, it's, <laughs> I think it's just, if you're the best guy you're going to play. And if you're not, you're not. And I don't, they're not going to okay it with him to accept a lesser role. I think the bigger question is, I, and this is speculation on my part. I think coming into this year, they thought Gustafson likely a one year fit. Wallstead will be the backup next year to Mark Andre Fleury. And then assume the, the reins the following year. Gustafson's been surprisingly good where I think right now, without a doubt, they're going to re-sign him. And now the bigger question would be term term on that deal. Yeah. Right. And I still think, I mean, Wallstead is still their guy. He's the man, he's the goalie of the future. And I still think that their hope is that by next year, he's at least gotten a taste in the NHL. And by the following year, he's their number one guy. Yeah, it's a complicated no- negotiation. I mean, he's got a hard cutthroat agent in Kurt Overhart, and I'm sure he's going to try to get as much term as he possibly can, and obviously as much money as he possibly can. And there becomes the problem is that, you know, one, it's still technically a small sample size, so you don't want to give him too much term and too much money and then really, um, you know, uh, regret it. But the other thing here is you can't go crazy long because you're still, if you're expecting that wall, st- that wall stat's going to be your, um, you know, eventual number one here, you really can't go more than three years on Gus. Now, three might be the perfect sweet spot number. It takes you, you know, if you sign him for three, you have Flurry and him next year. Then you have two years of Gus with maybe Wallstead as the understudy. And then in year three of Gus, maybe Wallstead can start to pick off more games. And I think Wallstead's even fine with that, ty- that type of... Um, I know that all of us, not just fans, but media, we're impatient and we want to see Wallstead in the lineup as soon as possible. But that you know, even Wallstead understands the maturation process of a young goaltender, and um, and he knows that he's got to pay his dues down the minors and eventually get here. Goalies are so hard to pay. Yeah, it's crazy. There aren't very many that just come up and are ready, like what Jake Ottinger's done. There, most of them, it's like their second or third stop before they really all of a sudden take off. And look at even some of the top goalies the around the Kemper. league that have done that. Darcy, Freddie Anderson, mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom. All, a lot of these guys were they wherever they were first, yeah. never worked. 
and then they moved, and in their next second yeah. or third spot, yeah. they've landed. Look, yeah, to your point, Freddie, Anaheim, Toronto, finally Carolina, uh, you know, Marks from Florida, Vancouver, Calgary. Yeah, took off in Vancouver, yeah. and then it was great in yeah. Calgary last year. And it, yeah. it's it's really, I don't know that there's a an exact science to it or anything, but sometimes it's just whose voice, whose terminology clicks with a certain guy, might be saying the same thing, but just in a slightly different way to all of a sudden connect with a player. And, and that's and that might be what you have to wait for sometimes. With these and, and having Flurry here next to Gustafson or Wallstead is just, to me, that is a blessing, you know, having somebody like that. And I, I just, you know, it, it's really cool when you see partners get along the, you know, in, in a job where obviously only one can start and you're always competing to be that guy, but yet they get along. Like a great example, actually, is Linus Olmark and, uh, and Jeremy Swayman in Boston right now. I mean, essentially, Olmark, it was supposed to be a dual uh, role coming into the season. Olmark not only peeled off being the number one, but he's going to probably win the Vesna. And then last night, two nights ago, he scored the goalie goal. And who was the happiest person in that lineup? It was Swayman. Like he yeah. Lifting Their little celebration after yeah. every game is yeah. pretty cool to watch. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, that, that's the type of thing. And then, I mean, obviously, very different thing, but. Just to see the how much uh, Gus talks to Flurry and how much they get along, and I mean, this is one of those things that if 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 Gustav has a long National Hockey League career or he's a number one, I guarantee you, ten years from now, he's going to talk about these couple years playing with Flower. Well, a lot of it is their relationship, but it's also the way he carries himself, the way he handles fans giving him a Bronx cheer, the way he handles yeah. getting benched, the way he handles high pressure situations, the way he handles playoffs, all that stuff. Who better to, from, to learn than from a guy who's going to go down as one of the all-time best? Absolutely. Any last questions? We're going to wrap up the show. Come on up. Wild jersey. You don't have to run. <laughs> Brandon will trim it down where it's like you were right there immediately. Yeah. Teleported. Anyways, uh, I'm actually a Freddie Hockey Enjoyer on Twitter. I know you ah. like my name. So, uh, Anyways, I was wondering... The process of getting these guys signed in the offseason, um, is it just like going down the line on who's most important, like Gus getting him, then going, okay, let's look at Addison? Or do they have to piece it all in? Because the way I see it, uh, is that going to make guys like Brandon Duhame and Mason Shaw cap casualties uh, in the offseason? Because I really like Brandon Duhame's uh, game this year. Yeah, I think Duhame is, uh, is, uh, is somebody that they're looking at as sort of the Jordan Greenway replacement, for lack of a better term. Um, but that is sort of the way it works. I mean, I could tell you that right now Gus is the next priority because the way that, that Bill Guerin and Chris O'Hearn and the whole front office starts to piece things together is they know their available cap space, but they can only know it to the penny when they figure out what some of the complicated negotiations are going to cost. Like Matt Boldy, they wanted to get done first because they were hoping to do a bridge deal, but when they thought that they, when they realized they can get him at seven, then they took an educated guess that he's going to be basically become that $7 million player in year two, three, four of the deal. Um, and so that now changed the math for them going into this offseason and made things a lot tighter. Um, so next is Gustafson. He is such a complicated negotiation, Anthony, where he was supposed to be, they were thinking high ones, low twos. Now he's probably high twos. Probably. And, but and it changes the math. And again. there is a pecking order, but it, they're also, none of them are unrelated. They are having constant conversations and have a ballpark idea that this guy's going to be in this range. This guy's going to be in this range because you can't just go to the first guy and say, "All right, let's make the deal with him," and then we'll see what we have left over for the next three guys. So they're all related, and 
and they're in constant's not the right word, but they've got a pretty good handle on what these guys are going to cost. And and then yes, if all of a sudden you start to do the math and say somebody's got to go, then you go to your priority list and say let's get yeah. this one done first. And if we can come in a hair underneath, maybe we get all three of them. But if we can't, we can't. Yeah, I I can't imagine Duhame's going to be a cap casualty um, unless they can't figure out a way to to unload a guy like Greenway who makes three. That's the one contract that I still just don't like. I didn't like it at the time. I didn't get it at the time. I didn't get why it was such a rush at the time. Um, and and I do think they're now regretting that, and, it, and they're sort of choking on it. Now they might have to literally trade him like a Pacioretty deal and get get rid of him because he is can't imagine uh, even though he's six six and people look at that and. And, you know, he has constant amount of tools. Um, you know, when you are get no production with the yeah. ice time that he gets, it just... It's, it's surprising to me. I thought last year he had turned a corner, and I thought we'd see kind of the same type of player this year. And it just hasn't been there. And I think, I think there's some pressure on him. I think then you start to... Now it's you start to hear the rumors that I'm out, I'm going to be traded. And I, I don't think... I don't think he's handled that really well. And mm-hmm. everybody handles those situations differently. And I think it's really gotten to him. And you can just see that he's playing right now with the weight of the world on his shoulders yeah. every night. And uh, Bill gave him a little, you know, talk a couple of weeks ago, and he has definitely responded. I think he's playing much, much better hockey. But, man, does he need a point like it's nobody's uh, tomorrow. Um, Duham, to your other question on Duham, um, he's a complicated um, negotiation as well. Like originally, I thought I'd, he'd be exactly about half of uh, of uh, Greenway, but the more people I talk to, the more they say he's a little tougher to predict because he's also kind of sneaky old. He's he's you're gonna have to buy out some of his UFA years, and somebody that skates like him and is that physical. I mean, heck, we just saw how valuable Janot was, right? Um, not that you know, you know, Juno's different because he had twenty something goals last right. year. But Duham, if they could get a one, two, three, four, and five for Duham, trade I him. think they'd trade him. <laughs> exactly. Um, any other questions? Um, trying to think. Uh, Addison's sort of back in the lineup now, playing better. Seems to have responded. Yeah, I think he's been fine. Yep. Hey, real quick, um, Zuccarello's got one year left. You know, he's in his mid thirties, but it's no doubt he's been in. The second half of his contract's just been really great, I think, and Fenton might have a little bit of, I, I told you so, this was right, but just thinking a year from now, if Zuccarello's still putting up a point per game, what do you think the Wild do yeah, with I mean, him? Might even be this think, summer, right? I think they'll try to extend him. Yeah. I think they'd love to give him like two or three years at, a, at maybe a haircut, you know, three million, four million. They're going to have to figure it out. Um, you know, cap space is an issue, but they've got to keep Kaprizov happy here. Um, but, but the one thing I would say is like, if I were them, I would talk to him about an extension this summer, but I don't know if I'd pull the trigger yet because you know, he's still up there in age. I have not liked his last six weeks. I think he is really, I mean, he's still a point of game, but man, is he just, he, he looks like he's getting gassed at times. He's turning pucks over sometimes half a dozen times a game. Um, I would want to, you know, like, like well, even like 25 minutes yesterday. Yeah. But my my point is, like, like he's, 35, 30, he's 35, 36 years old. I just don't, you know, I, I would hate for them yeah. to regret that. We, I agree, but I think he looks like a guy who for sure has got a couple of years left mm-hmm. after his after next year. So yeah. you Everything's get him for be- a two- or three-year deal, I'd, I'd say you, you make that deal. And even if he ends up slowing down a little bit at the end, so be it. 
Yeah. And uh, as Marty St. Louis said when we were in Montreal this year, his brain is not slowing down. That is for sure. Any other questions? We're going to wrap up the show. No? All right. March 6th, uh, Monday. Is that another Monday? Wow, that's like four straight Mondays. Anthony loves doing shows on Mondays. Yeah. Um, I'm in. Tuttles is March 6th. Uh, come on out and see the Worst Seats in the House uh, show. We'll be back here at Split Rocks also twice in March. Uh, thanks for coming out to the Aquarius Home Services studio. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> Isn't this a great, awesome studio? Um, Kowalski's is our uh, a sponsor that is very beer all over near and dear to your heart. We didn't even ask about your Sunday dinner yesterday. Oh, um, man, was it good. <laughs> Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Royal Credit Union, Moe's Tavern, and Bosch Law Firm. Thanks, everybody, for coming on out. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive